So, um, anyone excited for Christmas yet? Yes, come on, okay. Uh, anyone got their tree up yet? Okay. Um, I, it's a big debate, isn't it? You know, when does Christmas really uh, begin? I spoke to somebody this week who said, um, you know, uh, well, actually, I said to them, you have to obviously wait till Thanksgiving's over, at least, right, before you start Christmas. To which she corrected me and said, no, 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 you have to wait till Thanksgiving dinner is over, and, and then Christmas begins. Um, and I know in, in, in households, there's this huge debate, isn't there? So I, I thought I would start off December for you with your first Christmas joke of the year, because you might not have had one yet. So here you go. Okay, so um, Darth Vader um, and Luke Skywalker are having an epic lightsaber battle. <laughs> and it goes backwards and forwards. <laughs> Until um, after a, a long time, uh, Darth Vader says to Luke Skywalker, Luke, Luke, I know what you're getting Christmas this year. <laughs> How can you know what I'm getting for Christmas this year? <laughs> I've been feeling your presence for some time. <laughs> okay, I'll tell it again for the rest of you. No, I don't know. <laughs> Christmas is a big deal. Um, and when it all begins is a really big debate. And I don't want to be the Grinch in the room. I love Christmas, you can see. Um, but if there is a danger, apart from the fact that by December the 20th, starting Christmas too early, apart from the fact that you know, you'll probably hate Mariah Carey with a passion by December the 20th, and the fact that your Christmas tree will look like a twig with some, some pine needles at the bottom, apart from that, maybe there is a, another danger of starting Christmas a little bit early, which is, as Sam said, that we miss something really important along the way. And the really important thing that we can miss along the way is we miss Advent. And Advent actually really matters in its own right. Advent, as Sam said, it, it marks something important about waiting, about yearning, about looking forward. It's actually both the end of our Greco-Roman calendar year, but also the beginning of the church's year. The ancient church's cyclical year begins with Advent because it looks forward and I've always been about the looking forward, you know, looking forward to, to Christmas, right? That's what you do in Advent. You know, you get your stockings ready and you wrap up your presents and you buy the food and, you know, you get to baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the angels, you know, all that stuff comes. But actually, um, Advent's much bigger. It's much, much bigger than even looking forward to Christmas, as Sam said. It is about the looking forward to the return of Jesus. It's about all the stuff you read in the book of Revelation, about the apocalyptic end of the world when Jesus will um, return. But I feel like, you know, almost every year we talk less about Advent and we talk more about Christmas. Christmas seems to get a little bit earlier every year. And so many of us you know, whiz straight through. Certainly, I have been just like that. I, um, before I moved to LA, I was the pastor of four churches outside of London. And one of the churches, it was like this sort of 400-year-old building that had no electricity, had no, no heating, had no restrooms. It was basically just a museum. And all year, it would just sit empty for people to go and visit. But in Advent, once a year, we would sort of dust off the old church, and we would go up to it, and we would hold an Advent carol service. 
And so I'd go in my sort of 27 layers of robes, which was about what was necessary to stop freezing to death within the church. And uh, we would sing with this beautiful choir, these Advent carols. And the first year I went, I was like, these are not carols. I've never heard of even one of these. Like, where do these even come from? But I realized it's because they're Advent carols. And there's a whole thing called Advent carols that most of us have never even heard of or come across before. So why don't this morning, before we get into the inevitable, wonderful shepherds and the angels and Mary and Joseph and the trip to Bethlehem and baby Jesus, who's going to be here, little tiny baby Jesus on December the 17th, or, um, we're going to do all that. Why don't we take a moment to talk about the other side, the return of Jesus Christ. So we're going to have our reading. Marianne's going to bring it to us. And uh, we're going to read from Luke chapter 21 verses 25 to 36. If you've got your Bibles or on a device, um, these are the words of Jesus about Advent. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world for their heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. The word of the Lord. Jesus says, pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son um, of man. Quite strong words, not words you would expect for a church service in December, but they're beautiful and important and powerful words. I feel like uh, since Laura and I arrived in LA, we have learned a lot about living in the now but not yet. When we moved to the US nearly five years ago, we came on religious visas, uh, our visas. And when you come, and some of you will know really well, into the US on a visa, there is a lot you can do. You can work in a particular church or organization. You, kids can attend schools. You can open bank accounts. But there's also lots you can't do. There's lots that you don't have access to yet. You can't always come and go as you wanted to, um, as I discovered in the pandemic particularly. You're here for a fixed period. You're not a US resident, which means that all the time you come up against these sort of restrictions and things which stop you in your tracks. It's a time of waiting. And what you're waiting for, ultimately, if you move to the US, is you're waiting for the, the promise of a green card. 
And uh, after we'd been here about two years, we went to see the government and we said, look, we are fine, upstanding people. Please, may we have a green card? Um, and they looked us over in great detail and they said, yes, you don't look too sketchy. Uh, yes, you can, you, know, you can have a green card, but here's the problem. You can't have one yet. You have to wait. And we said, how long do we have to wait? And they said, well, you just have to wait. Uh, and so we have waited for at least two years already in a line for a green card. And this summer, we thought we'd finally got to the front of the line. We thought, this is it. We're going to get our green card. Uh, only to find as we got to the front of the line, they removed the line and put us to the back of another line. And we said, how long is it going to be now? And they said, we can't tell you. It could be any amount of time. You have to wait. Um, and waiting is really hard, isn't it? And when you wait for a green card, all you can do is be ready. You have to have all your paperwork together. You have to have all your answers because one day you're going to get a call, come to immigration for your interview for your green card. It's not fun, but you just have to read the signs and be ready. Advent has a very similar feel about it. It is an invitation to be ready for when Jesus returns. I don't know if you ever think about heaven very much, about the time when Jesus will return to the earth, but Jesus has some things he wants to say about it. He says in the reading we just had, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And this is what Jesus says. He says, therefore, be ready. Be ready. Stand up, lift up your heads, because redemption is drawing near. In fact, he says, be careful too. Be careful or your hearts could get weighed down. And he actually says, with anxiety." as we talked about last week, with the carousing, with the drunkenness, with the, all the stuff that can trap us. It's an invitation to be ready. But I think um, like all sorts of invitations like this, there's two equal and opposite dangers. The equal opposite dangers of being too fast and too slow. Um, I thought, as I've been here for a while now, it was about time to give you a lesson in something really important that you might not know about yet. Formula One, F1, okay. Anyone into F1? Come on, drive to survive, let's be honest. It's all about that. Okay, so in case you don't care about Formula One at all, it's basically really fast cars driving around and around tracks uh, until there's a winner at the end of the race. But what you might not know if you're not into F1 is that a lot of whether who's gonna win a race can be determined off the start line. And what happens is all the cars line up Five red lights go out on, and when they go out, the race starts. But it doesn't always go well. So this is, this is what happens if you are not ready for the start of a race. So this little clip I'm going to show you, Kimi Raikkonen, it's from the 2003 uh, Spanish Grand Prix. Here you go. Good start. And then, oh dear, oh dear. Kimi Raikkonen started properly. Antonio Giovinazzi at the back did not get away. He was not ready for the stars. He saw the signs, but he didn't go anywhere <laughs> at all. Advent is an invitation to be ready, to read the signs properly. In fact, what it really is, is an invitation to develop spiritual perception. What Jesus says is when you see stuff happen on the news, 
When you see stuff happen out in the world, be aware because there's probably spiritual things going on. I don't know about you, but um, it's actually really easy to drift through life and not think spiritually about anything. You know, or if, and even as Christians, we can say, well, the Christian things, the spiritual things, you know, that's church, that's praying, that's what I do when I go to Bible things or things, but the rest of my life, that's just secular. But Jesus says, actually, it doesn't really work like that. Life has a deeply spiritual uh, side to it. We can end up thinking, well, with all the modern science and the communication, the technology, you know, surely it's, it's just like random or it's, you know, cause and effect. That's how the world works. But Jesus says, no, that's not exactly how it works. There is always more going on. And the more that's going on is this epic, eternal battle between good and evil, which ultimately will come to its end when Jesus returns. And Advent says, therefore, be aware. Like, be awake. Watch out, because things are going on. Life has, like, deep spiritual meaning. Deep spiritual meaning. And not everything is just random chance. Often there are spiritual things that we need to be aware of in every moment. You know, if you're the kind of person, as I am sometimes, he's tempted to race through life from one thing to the next thing, just getting it done. Jesus says, watch out, because there is a spiritual dynamic. When you see wars and political turmoil or pandemics or racism or terrorist threat or whatever it might be, know that there's more than just good and bad choices. And when it happens, Jesus says, stand up, like raise your head, pray. And worship. Pray and worship because, in some senses, today we are getting nearer to when he returns. This is the birth pains of the return of the King of Kings. It has already begun and one day it will complete. Now, I know it can sort of sound a bit scary, can't it? It's like this is really weird language and about wars and terror and threat and like this doesn't sound very nice, it doesn't sound like victory. We have to keep an eye out that even though it's a bit Mad Max-esque in its language, this is about Jesus returning. And because it's about Jesus' returning, there's nothing to be scared of. There's nothing. There's nothing to fear. Like Jesus, Paul sets it out in Romans 8, if you ever get a chance to read that this week. Because it is a picture of what it means to follow Jesus. And it says basically this, paraphrase. For those who know and love Jesus... In all the mess, in all the uncertainty, in all the unknowing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. No terror, no threat, no brokenness can separate us. And one day, when Jesus returns, we will be reunited with the source of pure love. We'll be reunited with it. The eternal result of all that we are facing in the world today is glorious. It's wonderful. It's beyond compare. We have a hope-filled picture. For those of us who love Jesus and have put our trust in him, all will be well. All will be well in the end. Um, That's why we call this Advent season, we've called it eternal light. Because that's what we're here for. We are here to point people toward an ultimate destination, an end game that's better than we can ever ask or imagine. That's what it's all about. It's the promise. So don't be too slow. Don't miss out on seeing the spiritual dynamics to what's going on. But also, 
Um, don't be too quick. Don't be too quick. Um, here's another little F1 clip for you. 1999 European Grand Prix beginning. One, two, set, two, three, four, five. Out and the lights are still on and Frenson has jumped the start. Hackenden has jumped the start. One, two, oh, set, two. You have to watch it twice. <laughs> All those cars went before the lights went off. It's interesting in the spiritual life that although many of us get caught being too unaware of the spiritual things, there is such a thing as being too, too fast and too quick to jump to conclusions. I don't know if you noticed, but in the pandemic, uh, when we were all locked in our bedrooms for, through those first months, there were an unbelievable number of prophecies about the end of the world, like everywhere. And in fact, they, didn't, they weren't just about the end of the world, they sort of spilled out into the pandemic, and the pandemic being about God's judgment on the world, and then they spilled out into the fact of whether people were going to die or not, and when the pandemic would end, and who was going to win the Super Bowl, and who was going to win the next election, but, and it just kept going and going. Basically, it was almost like people had like, unshackled their feet from the ground and put their heads so far up into the spiritual world that they put one and one together and made about 37 over and over again, right? Uh, I mean, if you, if you were to Google today doomsday predictions, you will come up with some weird stuff. I mean, don't do it right now in the middle of the sermon, but when you're home later, if you want an entertaining Sunday afternoon, Google that, right? Because people sometimes try and read the spiritual signs without proper context and come to weird conclusions. They overpromise the spirituality of the world. Because we can go too far, can't we? We can think that we can work it all out. We can think that one and one just equals two. When actually, the truth is, God has usually so much more than we know or can understand. I remember this amazing week as being a student, and I remember like God just moving really powerfully in this particular week. We didn't know it was coming. But God just started to heal people randomly. People started coming to faith. Uh, we saw signs and wonders and had prayer meetings in the middle of the night. And God would direct us to things. It was honestly like nothing I've ever seen before. But we, we basically got so far into the spiritual, we had no idea how to deal with it. So when my football coach phoned me up on the Tuesday, I think it was, and he said, Ben, you're starting in goal tomorrow for the team. I hope you're ready. Um, I uh, remember uttering the cringeworthy words to him, which I still regret to this day. I'd love to play, but I don't know if the Lord will need me for a special mission tomorrow. <laughs> so I can't tell you yet if I'm available. <laughs> now, he was not happy. He was not happy. <laughs> and I played in the game that day because the Lord did not need me for a special mission uh, at two o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. Right? It is such a thing as being so spiritually engaged that we actually lose track of the world around us. So don't be too fast, but also don't be too slow. Instead, Jesus says, be patient. Be patient. You know these old phrases, right? It's better to be, stay silent and be thought a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. Right? Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Patience, I think, is the hardest spiritual fruit we ever have to develop as Christians, right? 
It's so hard. I find it extremely hard. We live in the world of Amazon Prime. And Amazon Prime basically says, if you can't get it tomorrow, it's not worth getting. You need it now. Do not wait around for it or the world will move past you. You need what you need and get it however you need to get it. But Jesus tells this very interesting parable. I don't know if you spotted it um, from uh, the middle of the passage onwards. And it's a really interesting parable because it's not about a camel or a servant or a savvy steward or a coin. It doesn't have this sort of big punchline, this grand reveal at the end. It's more of a kind of observation, really. And it's an observation about trees, of all things. Basically, what Jesus says is when you see leaves sprouting on a tree, you can deduce that summer's almost there. I mean, it makes sense because in that world, of course, they didn't all have iPhones with calendars on. So these were the kind of ways that you read the signs for when you knew you needed to go on Amazon Prime to order your swimwear to go to the beach. Right? They knew they had to look for the signs. And Jesus says, when you see the leaves on the tree, you'll know that something else is coming. And in a, in a spiritual sense, what that basically is, it's an invitation to watch for what is coming next. But of course... Trees take ages to grow. I don't know if you've ever tried to grow a tree. Um, I told you this before, but I got really excited earlier in the year because I really got excited about avocado toast. Um, This is a great California pastime, I've discovered. Um, And so I went to Home Depot and I bought an avocado tree. (laughs) It was about this big. I was like, we're all over this. Yeah. Avocado toast by summer was the plan. I dug the hole, I put the avocado tree in the hole, I watered it, I put the fertilizer on, I stood back, nothing, nothing. Month after month, it was awful, right? No discernible growth whatsoever. I then did the Googling thing. The Googling thing says, it takes about 10 years to get avocados from your little tree, right? And here's the worst news, I moved house over the weekend, which means now the avocado tree is in the wrong, back, wrong front yard. And so now I'm gonna to have to go back in 10 years and leap over the fence and see if I can borrow an avocado, you know, <laughs> for my toast, right? Trees take a very long time to grow. Jesus says, be patient. The spiritual life takes time. It's so easy to get frustrated, isn't it? Honestly, how many times have I ever prayed, God, can you just do this, please? Please, will you do this? And God's response has been, not quite yet. Just not yet. Not yet. God, come on, why haven't you done the thing I asked? It seemed like a really good idea. It was really obvious what the right choice was. Why haven't you done it? And if we're not careful, we can then just end up taking matters into our own hands. I remember before I met my wife, Laura, I remember like just waiting like patiently or more like impatiently for a girlfriend. I was like, come on. Why do all these lovely ladies that I know not want to go out with me? What is wrong with them? You know, something is wrong in the world. I don't know what's wrong. And in the end, even though blatantly I needed to do some inner healing and some work with myself, I was just like, I'm going to find a girlfriend anyway. And I got myself into a really bad relationship with someone who I should never have gone out with. And it ended in a lot of pain for both of us. When sometimes we want it now, God says... It's time to wait. It's time to wait. Now, I'm not saying in the spiritual life 
we just all need to hang around on our couches, doing nothing, waiting for the Lord to return. There's plenty of work and studying and good things that we can get on with. But I wanted to say to some of us this morning, in the face of the promises that have yet to be kept, in the illness that's yet to be healed, in the prayer that's yet to be answered, in the unfulfilled hope that you have, hold fast, hold fast, hold on to Jesus because he's good, because he's here, because his spirit is working in your life today and he hasn't finished yet. The invitation of Advent is to anchor ourselves not to the solution of the problem, you know, we, a lot of us in our spiritual life, if we're honest, what we're really about is God is good if. You know that, right? God is going to be so good if he does that. Or when he does that, God's good. And yet the promise of Advent is to anchor ourselves, not in anxiety, but in worship, like we said last week, to anchor ourselves to the one who has the whole world in his hands. Amen? That's the promise of Advent, that God is bigger, has a different time frame, has a different way to get there and he's smarter than me anyway and so we can't wrap a neat bow around it and we won't know when it's all going to come good but like the old church building that lays dormant waiting for a Christmas carol service we too are invited just to wait to wait and slow down knowing that God is is faithful he's faithful you know, you think, well, why did Jesus even put this parable in the middle of the story anyway, right? That why have a parable about some trees? And how is it even that the, 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 the disciples would know that when you see leaves, that fruit's coming? Well, of course, they know that because they've seen it before. They've seen it before. You know, how do they know that fruit is coming on the tree? Is because they live through fall. And in fall, the leaves fall off the tree. And they've lived through winter when the tree just looks like it's bare and dead. And they've seen when spring comes and they've seen that after spring the fruit appears. They've seen the faithfulness in the past. And so that they know that the faithfulness will happen in the future. And I just want to ask you this morning, for those of you who live with that sense of yearning today, the longing. Has God been faithful to you in the past? Has he ever been faithful? And if he's been faithful in the past, will he be faithful again in the future? I suggest he will. I told you I used to lead these four churches outside of London. And um, honestly, it was a hard place to be for a while because we arrived in a season of great transition for the churches. They'd been through a lot of pain and there was a lot of things that needed to change. And then they were getting ready for a new long-term leader to go into a new season. And we figured out very quickly along the way that we would not be there for long. We were there for the transition. We were there to do the work of healing, to be part of it, and then we would leave. And that was really painful, honestly. It was painful because we loved the people. It was painful because we loved the places. But we knew that God had a different future. But it didn't really stop, you know, the anxiety of like, well, God, what are you going to do next? Like, is this going to work out well for us? Where are we going to go? What do you want for us? What's supposed to happen? And what's going to happen into our ministry? Like we had all those questions. And the only answer I could ever give in my prayers was like, well, God, you were faithful yesterday. 
You're faithful today. And so I think you're going to be faithful tomorrow. Now, of course, what I had no idea about when I was going, Lord, I think in five years I'm going to look back and say you were faithful. What I had no idea was, was that God was preparing this. I'd never been to Pasadena, California, never even heard of it. I'm sorry, I just hadn't yet. Sacrilege, I'm sorry. I now know where it is. I'm, I, I love it. Right? I just didn't know yet. I didn't know what God was doing. God was faithful in the past. He was faithful then. And he's been faithful every day since. If this morning your longing and your cry is, God, what's the future going to hold? Let me just tell you, God was faithful yesterday. He is faithful today. And he will be faithful in the future. Amen? Amen. So we can trust God. But also, finally, to realize that life is paradox. Faith is paradox. If that's not a word you use, this is a definition for you. Paradox is a uh, statement or a proposition that seems contradictory or absurd, but in reality expresses a possible truth. See, Advent is really all about paradox. It's about the now, but the not yet. It's about the fulfillment and the yearning. It's about the end and the beginning. It's about darkness and light. Uh, You know, it's about longing for the most wonderful time of the year and wars and terrorist attacks and persecution and hatred. And the invitation of Advent is actually to hold space for both. Hold space for both. You know, we can be conned almost, aren't we, to to say that it's always one or the other in in the world of sort of lobbying and campaigning and positioning and politicizing we're always told aren't we you know you either this or you're this you either believe this or you believe that you're with us or you're against us it's black or it's white but actually i think so much of advent reminds us that life is kind of gray sometimes the bible is full of paradox jesus is a baby born in the manger of a war-torn land who is christ the lord Luke 17, you must lose your life to keep it. Jesus says, I come to bring division and I come to bring peace. It's the crucified savior who buys life for the whole world. He is both fully God and fully human. It's about suffering and comfort. And I think the gift of Advent is to remind us that actually we too live in the paradox and that's okay. It's actually okay. We don't have to pretend any differently. We don't have to pretend that everything is wonderful yet. We don't have to think that everything is terrible. We are in the now and the not yet. You know, these, um, these last four years, we've had to learn a lot. Uh, and one of the things we have had to teach our kids a lot about is the wonderful gift of the road trip. Um, I will tell you, Ameri- uh, Europeans know nothing of the road trip. Nothing. Uh, We used to think, honestly, that two hours in the car was a significant road trip. It turns out that's not a significant road trip. That's lunch. (laughs) A significant road trip is many, many days sometimes of journeying. And our kids have not been used to this, it would be fair to say. And we've had to teach them because they are the kind of kids who, you know, are we nearly there yet? No. Are we nearly there yet? No. Are we nearly there? Yes, we're there. Are we? Are we? No, we're not nearly there yet. No. We only left five minutes ago. It's going to be a long journey. Right. And we've had to teach the kids as they sit in the back of the car 
that it's not just about the destination. It's not just about the destination. The destinations are great, usually. But the journey is the fun, right? The adventure is the fun. You know, when we as Christians, we are so invited to have our mindset on the destination. I want to tell you heaven is better than you think it is. I don't know what you have in your mind. Maybe it's a bit Disneyland, I don't know. It's better than that. It's going to be better. I don't know exactly, but I promise you it's so much better than anything you can think about. It's going to be glorious. It's going to blow your mind. But actually, the invitation for now is to enjoy the adventure. Enjoy the journey. Live in the mess of the paradox and read the signs. You know, this Advent is about pointing towards light in the midst of darkness. That's our message, right, as Christians. When we're going to invite people to church, these carol services, and you take your invitation and you give it to someone, and you're like, please, would you come and join me for a carol service? It's going to be okay. The pastor's not that weird. It's going to be all right. When you do that, I promise that I'm not going to say, give your life to Jesus because everything will be perfect. I'm not. I'm going to tell people that they might still have some pain sometimes. And there are going to be moments when actually it's going to be hard, but that light is shining into darkness and they can have hope. They can have hope for an eternal future. We don't have to promise completion or perfection or full healing today, but we can hopefully point people towards the one who is with them today, who will be faithful to them every day until he returns. That's Advent. And so may I invite you as we come to respond now, just to hold that tension. Hold the tension. Don't feel you have to rush past it just to get to the happy, shiny things of Christmas. If you've got pain today, Jesus knows you have pain and he wants to meet you in your pain. If you've got hope today and excitement and joy, Jesus wants to meet you in your excitement and your joy. But both are okay, because that's Advent. So should we pray? If you're able to stand, why don't you stand? Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Let's just take a moment to slow down. Take a deep breath and just acknowledge that God is here. Thank you, Lord, that in the end, all will be well. And Lord, would you root that truth back in to the core of our lives today? But even today, Lord, in the yearning and the longing and the waiting and the pain. Might we know your presence with us this Advent time. Might we know your goodness and your love 
might our hearts be full of hope. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.